Genesis chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin this morning. We will get started in Genesis, the first chapter. So good to see you guys out this morning. We have a wonderful, wonderful crowd with us today. We have several guests who are here visiting with us. We really appreciate you all coming to worship the Lord together with us here at Rolling Hills in spirit and in truth. We will begin in Genesis, the first chapter. In Genesis chapter 1, the divine unity emerged from the infinite solitude of eternity, declaring to both the visible and the invisible world all that the creature can know about his matchless glory. He spoke and it was, he commanded and it stood fast, and he, through the pen of his faithful servant Moses would say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. In this passage, we are introduced to God. The Hebrew word for God in this passage is Elohim. That is a plural term that introduces us to the Godhead. God three in one. We are introduced to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And here in this passage, we see the first person of the Godhead that we are introduced to is the Spirit of God who moved, or some translations say, hovered over the face of the waters. We see from the very beginning of time, it was God who created the heavens and the earth. And the first one of the Trinity that we see is the Spirit of God. This word moved means to brood over. This is a tremulous love, a vibrant moving, a protective hovering, an intensified type of vibration or shaking. We see from the very beginning of time, when there was absolutely nothing, the Spirit of God is moving, He is hovering, He is trembling over the surface of the waters as an eagle hovers over the sky. And he miraculously transformed this land of nothing into a beautiful sphere that was ready for life, light, heat, and all sorts of wonderful forms of energy. How awesome and how wonderful is that? The Spirit of God. Sadly. Sadly, as awesome and as wonderful as the Spirit of God is, He has often gone unnoticed and unappreciated. As awesome, as powerful, and as majestic as the Spirit of God is, He is often forgotten. The one who hovered over the surface of the waters, the one who lovingly trembled over this earth when there was absolutely nothing, 
unfortunately, does not receive the time and the attention that he is due. And so this morning, we're going to give the Spirit some time and some attention. This morning, we're going to talk about he who hovered over the surface of the waters. This morning, we're going to talk about who the Spirit is and what he does for his people. Friends, as we look through Scripture, we see that the Spirit of God is alive. He is alive, living, and well. So often when we think about God the Spirit, we think of this lifeless, nebulous being with no form, no substance, and no matter. He is some type of fictional character of sorts. Perhaps this is our idea because many of the archaic translations render him the Holy Ghost. And when we think about a ghost, we think about Casper the Friendly Ghost. Someone who has no life, no form, no substance, and no matter. But friends, this morning I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit, he who hovered over the surface of the waters, is not Casper the friendly ghost. He is not a character. He is a real person who is alive. He has real thoughts, real feelings, real emotions, and a real character, just like God the Father, just like God the Son, and just like you and I today. All throughout Scripture, his thoughts, his feelings, and his emotions are seen, heard, and expressed. We see this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 27. Paul mentions the mind of the Spirit. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 30, he mentions the love of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Paul talks about how one is able to grieve the Spirit. The Hebrews writer says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30 that it is possible to outrage the Spirit. And finally in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, Jesus says that it is possible to blaspheme the Spirit. Lifeless, matterless nebulous beings do not love, they do not have a mind, they're not able to grieve, they're not able to be outraged, and they certainly cannot be blasphemed against. Do you see it? The Spirit of God is a real person. He has real emotions, he has real thoughts, and he has a real personality. And this is something that we must always remember as we go throughout our day-to-day lives. That the Spirit of God is living, He is active, He is alive, and He is well. But not only that, as we look through Scripture, we learn that the Spirit of God is divine. He is divine. He is powerful. He is God. He is Yahweh. He is a matchless, wonderful, awesome God. We understand this about God the Father. We know that God the Father is king. We know that he is royal. We know that he is divine. In Isaiah chapter 6, we have a beautiful description of the majesty of God the Father. The prophet Isaiah sees the Lord seated on a throne, and this throne is described as being high and lofty, and the train of the robe of God the Father fills the temple, and above him stand these six-winged seraphim. They are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's the description of God the Father that we have. We know that he has majesty. We know that he is powerful. We know that God the Father is divine. We know that God the Son is divine. 
In Revelation chapter 19, we have a picture of Jesus Christ. John sees the Lord as this victorious warrior who's wearing a robe that has been dipped in blood and transcribed on that robe is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We understand that Jesus Christ is divine. But so often... We fail to understand that just as God the Father is divine, just as God the Son is divine, so too is God the Spirit. God the Spirit is divine. In John chapter 4, Jesus says, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Who do we worship? Do we worship peasants? Do we worship slaves? Do we worship scum? Do we worship lifeless, nebulous beings? No. We worship things that are divine. We worship things that are holy. We worship things that are exalted. We worship things that are powerful. We worship God. God is a spirit, and we worship Him in spirit and in truth because He is divine. God the Spirit is powerful. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God, Elohim, that plural God, created the heavens and the earth. God the Spirit is a part of the creation. And and the text says that He is God. He created this. In in Acts chapter 5, as Ananias and Sapphira are being rebuked for deceiving the church, Peter says... Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. Again, in that passage, Peter describes the Spirit as God. All throughout Scripture, we see how the Spirit is described as a powerful, divine God. But not only that, not only is the Spirit of God alive, Not only is He divine, but the Spirit of God is the Creator. He is the Creator who gives life. Back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created Elohim, that plural God. God the Spirit was a part of the creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. Us and our are plural pronouns that describe the triune God. God the Spirit was a part of that us and that our. He is the creator who gives life. In Genesis chapter 6, when the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and every thought and the intention of the heart of man was only evil continually, the text says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 that the Spirit of God could no longer strive Or abide with man, for he is flesh, and his days are 120 years. Why were the days of man numbered? The days of the man of man were numbered because the Spirit of God would no longer be in him. The Spirit of God cannot strive with man, and his days were numbered because the Spirit was no longer in him. Do you see it? Without the Spirit, there is no life. 
Without the Spirit, there are no plants, there are no animals, there is no day, there is no night, there is nothing. Because the Spirit of God is the Creator who gives life. Just as God the Father created the heavens and the earth, just as God the Son was a part of the creation, so too is God the Spirit. Job testified to this in Job chapter 33 and verse 4 when he says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives in Ezekiel chapter 37, as the prophet Ezekiel is being led in this valley full of dry bones, the Lord tells him to prophesy to the bones and tell the dry bones, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. The spirit of God is the creator who gives life. Without the spirit, there is no life. And this is a fact that we must never, ever, ever forget about. But not only this, the Spirit of God is the intercessor who gives strength. He is the intercessor who gives strength. It was about four and a half years ago, the first time that I ever saw my mother cry. She was in the palliative care unit at UAB Hospital, suffering from breast cancer. And her cancer had metastasized which means it had spread beyond her breast. It spread from her breast to her lungs, from her lungs to her brain, and from her brain throughout her entire body. She was in a tremendous amount of pain. And this was difficult to see. As she lie on that hospital bed with all of these tubes uh, injected inside of her, all of these chemicals flowing throughout her, and she is sobbing, tears flowing from my mother's beautiful brown eyes. It broke my heart. And in that moment, I knew that I needed to talk to God. I knew that I needed to say something to the Almighty as my mother, my dear mother, my best friend, a faithful Christian woman, was lying there suffering in pain. I knew that I needed to talk to God, but I had absolutely no idea what I was going to say. We've all been there before. Sad, lonely, depressed. Some of us have hit rock bottom. A loved one is sick. A loved one has died. The doctor has given us bad news. Our spouse has maybe left us. Our child has left the faith. Some type of tragedy has disturbed our entire lives, and we know that we need to talk to God. We know that we need to have a conversation with the Almighty, but we have absolutely no idea what in the world we're going to say. This morning, I'm here to tell you, do not despair. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul shares some very encouraging words for people who experience this type of tragedy. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. 
I don't have any idea what that means. But what I do know is, when we are weak, somehow the Spirit makes us strong. When we have hit rock bottom, somehow the Spirit lifts us up. When we are sad, somehow the Spirit brings joy to our lives. When we are lonely, somehow the Spirit makes us feel as if we have the whole wide world right at our fingertips. I don't know how He does it, but I do know that He does it. The Spirit of the Lord is the intercessor who gives us strength when we are weak. Never, ever, ever forget that. But not only that, as we look throughout the pages of Scripture, we learn that the Spirit of God is the helper. He's the helper who reveals His mind. I have dated many women And none of those relationships have worked because I'm obviously single. Many of those relationships failed because when she was upset, she wouldn't tell me why she was upset. It was as if she expected me to read her mind. And I want to be honest with you all this morning. I cannot read the mind of a female. And a female would probably tell you that they cannot read the mind of a man. None of us can fully read the mind of and comprehend the mind of anyone. But when it comes to God, God has revealed His mind to us. No, He has not revealed His complete mind to us, but He has given us 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, all that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And guess whose responsibility it is to reveal the mind of God to this world? The Spirit of God. We see this all throughout Scripture. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is sitting in the upper room with His 12 apostles just before He would pour out His blood for the sins of the world, He says to them in verse number 25, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What Jesus is saying to His twelve is, don't worry, when I'm dead, when I'm gone, when I am lifted up into heaven, I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is going to guide you into all truths. He is going to reveal the mind of God to you. In John chapter 16, Jesus continues to say, in verse number 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Verse 12, John chapter 16 and verse 12, Jesus continues to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Do you see it? When Jesus was resurrected into heaven, the apostles were not alone. They had everything that they needed that pertained to life and godliness because the Spirit of God gave it to them. You may be sitting there thinking, well, Tim, that's wonderful. That's great. I'm so glad that the Spirit of God revealed the mind of God to the apostles. But what about me and you? Do not despair. The Spirit of God revealed the mind of God to the apostles, and the apostles revealed the mind of God to us in the words that are written in this book. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we see how the apostles received the mind of God from the Spirit, and they in turn wrote down the mind of God for us to read today in the words that we find in this book. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 6, as the Apostle Paul is speaking of the wisdom of God, he says, yet among the mature, we do impart, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Verse 10, Paul continues to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. We saw that in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16. God has revealed His mind to the apostles through the Spirit. And Paul continues to say here in this passage, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Verse 13 is key. And we impart This in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The point that I'm trying to make is the Spirit of God has revealed the mind of God to the apostles, and the apostles have revealed the mind of God to us today in the words that we read in Scripture. How wonderful is that? How wonderful it is that we have the will of God. How wonderful it is that we know exactly what we must do to be in a right relationship with the Lord. How wonderful it is that we know exactly what to stay away from. How wonderful it is that we know exactly what we must do to be saved. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing that we have been granted access into the deep recesses of the mind of God through the Spirit who reveals his mind. May we never, ever, ever take the Spirit for granted. May we never, ever, ever, ever forget that he is God. 
He is God. He is alive. He is living. He is breathing. And He is active. He is still active in this world today. He is not dead. Because God is not dead. He is divine. He is powerful. He rules. He has authority. We must worship Him. We must serve Him. God is a spirit, and we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Never forget that. He is the Creator who gives life. He has made each and every one of us. He has fashioned us together in our mother's womb. We are made in His image and in His likeness. There is something about us that is like the Spirit. Never, ever, ever forget that. And when we are weak, when we are sad, when we are lonely, when we have hit rock bottom, He will lift us up. He lifts us up on the high places. He renews our strength. He makes us soar like the eagle. And always be so thankful that the Spirit of God has revealed the mind of God to us so that we will know exactly what we must do in this dark and twisted world to be the type of people that God has called us to be. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, this is a wonderful opportunity to become one. So much has been done for you so that you may have life. And so much has been done for you that you may have eternal life. God the Father sent His Son to this earth to suffer, to die, and to rise so that you may have eternal life. And one day, live in all eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's a wonderful thought. That can be a reality. If you hear the word, believe, repent, confess the name of Jesus, and have your sins completely washed away in baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. If you've done that before, but you've made mistakes, you would like to make things right, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with this morning, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song.